Hello. Hey. Oh, now I'm having audio problems. That's now, wonderful. Okay. Right away. <laughs> right away. Let, let's just see if you you can obviously hear me. I can hear you very well. Because you're laughing at me. I'm laughing. Let's with see if this works. You. I'm laughing with you. You sound great. Hello. On my no, not a thing. You can't hear me? I can't hear a thing that you're saying. I, I may not be missing anything. I don't know. You're not missing anything. This any. is interesting. <laughs> okay. Do you want to maybe... I need to see what's going on here. Ladies and gentlemen... I may have to call you back. Everybody who's watching, we're going to we're gonna just... Let's see. Come back. Does this work? Can you hear me now? Is this? Can you hear me now? Works. No. Yeah. No, you can't hear me. No, I'm going to have to call back into the studio. This is so bizarre. Because I can't. I can't hear anything. But you could hear me before because we were. Something just exploded. I'll be right back. <laughs> we were. Oh my God! I'm being left alone. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Um. This is your intimate evening with Matthew Arkin. Um, and uh, we're talking about movies. And uh, maybe I'll just tell you about my week. I didn't want to get out of bed today, uh, but I did. I got out of bed because that's, you know, what you're supposed to do when you're a grown up. Um, I got up. I went for a walk with a friend, had a nice pastrami sandwich. Uh it was pastrami and Swiss with coleslaw on a roll. And it was really good. Um, and uh, I've, I've been completely, there he is. He's back. Now I can hear you. I, I apologize. I had some That's okay. last, like, just spontaneous explosion of sound problems here. Wow. Well, you're going to have to go back when we're done and watch, uh, you know, listen to the pathetic attempt I made to entertain what I what I very generously call the masses. I, I, people I, watching our show right now. I'm sure you gave them a rundown of the things that you're working on yeah, and stuff I'm that's happening. See, see if we have any comment. I talked about a pastrami sandwich that I had today. Did you? Um, not a not a bad sandwich. I'm uh -oh. sure. Brian Jesuit is here, and he says that he just saw me on Criminal Minds. So, yeah, it's fitting for today. He saw me on Criminal Minds where I got shot, which is, you yeah. know, sort of, you know, how things feel lately. And it's true. Um, so, uh, how are you doing? I'm no, fine. Yeah. I'm yeah. doing good. Uh, all these sound issues notwithstanding, uh, I'm fine. Right. I've been uh, at home. Yeah, uh, you know, trying to uh, keep myself entertained. Well, I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about something. Um, I want to talk about this. Oh wait, that's not what I want to talk about. Good lord! You want to talk about a visual that will be scintillating for the podcast listeners? I want to talk about. I want to talk about. Um, here, share the screen. Share the screen, and uh, here's what I want to talk about. This, this, uh, we can cut it out of the podcast. Um, oh, you made this the other night. It doesn't look like very appetizing in that picture. <laughs> I will admit, look appetizing in that picture, but it's. Uh, tell us what this is. Well, it's supposed to be something called uh, shakut. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's um, you're, it's you're an Alsatian. Close. 
It says this Alsatian dish that uh, dad made when we were growing up. Yeah. With uh, chicken, onion, sauerkraut, and that was kielbasa, and then you put beer in it. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And you eat it, and you can't stop eating it. It's, it's very good. As opposed to a Dalmatian dish. You don't like to have Dalmatian dishes. The Alsatian dishes are much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely um, better. Well, I you inspired me. I think uh, Mom doesn't know this. Um, she's going to hear about it. Uh, about three seconds after I tell you, because there's a delay. Yeah. But I think I'm going to make a sauerbraten this, this weekend. Wow. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that. How do you, I don't even know how you do that. Don't you have to have a, like a smokehouse and no sauerbraten. It's a German, um, style pot roast. Um, and there's sometimes you, you grind up some, uh, some ginger snaps actually and put it in with the tomato paste and red wine and some raisins carrots onions bay leaves okay spices i think i'm gonna do that uh, all right that sounds um, pretty good we yeah. used to talk about food on this show all the time oh, wow. and yeah we stopped but i still sometimes want to yes yeah, so if we want to we will i've been um, cooking constantly so what else is there to do during the pandemic? That's about it. And 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 see fine films. Talk to my my brother about, about fine about entertainment. Fine cinema, like this movie we're going to talk about tonight, um, which is kicking off our celebration of noir. I think we're going to do five movies in a row. That um, yeah, that was um, the plan. Unless yeah. we have feedback from people that just where they just can't take it anymore, but I I don't know who who wouldn't like five five noirs in a row. Come on, yeah, um, you can never get enough noir. I don't think. So what are we talking? Uh, at some point tonight, I want to talk about, and we can we can lead off with this, or we can talk about it after we talk about this movie for a while. I want to just talk about the elements of noir, like what what that okay what that means and what we're talking about. Up, well, see, mom's right behind us. She can't wait for that sour broughton. <laughs> She's ready. I want to have some. I want to come over and have some. Yeah. Why can't I do that? Damn it. Soon, soon you soon will be. I have to get vaccinated. Mm. Um, Me be, too. Because of my sound problems and my being generally disorganized today, I haven't pulled up our film on. Uh, on IMDb. On, uh, the IMDb, which is the secret weapon here. I should know all these stats I love by heart, but I don't. Well, I think we should save the elements of noir till after we've talked about this movie. And then we'll we'll round it out with a little discussion of noir in general. Okay. That sounds fine. I'll take your lead on this. You are, uh... well, I don't know. We're both kind of into this stuff. I, I... Oh, yeah. I love. I mean, I, I'm I'm a noir nut. And but you're actually deeper because you've read you also have read all the books that noir comes from. I haven't yeah, done as not much of all that. the old ones. Um, I've I've read more the second generation noir stuff. I've read some of the old ones. Okay, but uh, I think I need to become a uh, a more dedicated student of it than I have been. Uh, the more I get into it, the more I I just adore it. I think it's well, just my favorite. It sort of typifies how I feel about the world lately. Yeah. Bleak. Pretty bleak. 
Um, it's also like, I'm a big, as you know, like a big horror fan. And I just love the cross section here. Of It's kind of like, it's got a lot of horror in it, you know, for yeah. melodrama. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love it. The string mm -hmm. is starting with a neo-noir. So I wouldn't call this, huh? Would you call a neo-noir? Really interesting. Um, I think, uh, I guess noir was a little earlier than this. So yeah, like technically the classic meat of it was all in the late, in the forties and fifties. Yeah. So coming in at 61, that puts it kind of as a neo-noir, I guess. I'm just used to people I, talking I about like neo-noir in terms of content. I think it's no, very... but in terms of presentation yeah and time that it was made yeah i just usually think of neo-noir as like as you know when they update noir to like the suburbs and they've yeah. done that kind of thing a lot and, and they did it in in the 90s a lot yeah but um so what are we talking about tonight what's the movie well th this is cool because this is a movie that you 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 actually said to me a friend of yours had said why don't we do this blast of silence movie right yeah yeah. And you didn't know it, but I, I had, I had been turned on to this movie maybe two years ago. Uh huh. Um, totally new to me two years ago. Never heard of anything. Uh, never heard anything about it. Um, I guess I heard about it in some podcast. Um, I'm forgetting exactly where I first heard about it, but uh, it, I immediately sought it out and saw that Criterion had put it out, and so was was all excited. Uh. And I was really excited to do a, to to start off the noir thing with this movie because it's not because as kind of a later neo noir movie, it's kind of we're going backwards, which right. is kind of an interesting way to do it. I mean, we could have yeah. done something later, but later isn't really even really classic noir at all. No. Um. So that was so a blast of silence. Um. It's from 1961. Um. And that's when it came out. I think they made it in 59. Uh, directed, written, and starring, and probably produced as well, uh, Alan Barron, who uh, went on to do a lot of television, directed a lot of TV. A ton um, of television. Oh, uh, yeah, a, an absolute ton. He's still alive. And he's still alive. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know that he's still working. Um, but this this is like uh, uh, this is kind of like a Cassavetes movie before Cassavetes ever made a movie. Yeah. Um, and it's such a it's such an indie. It's such a homemade film in so many ways. But um, does I, I'm fascinated by it. Did you have a good experience? I did. I did. Do you know the connection between this and Cassavetes? This movie. Well, I know Peter Falk was supposed to play the part. Right. The camera this. operator on this, who also appears as the bellhop in the hotel, has a couple of lines. Uh, Eric Colmar was uh -huh. the, he's the camera operator on this, and he's the cinematographer, I think a year or two later, on Shadows. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. You can see that shares similar DNA. Yeah. Um I love this movie. Like <laughs> All right, thanks Rudy. Classic period of noir. I'll take his word for it. He knows what he's talking about. I'll like I said, I'll take his word oh, for it. 
this is your dad. Okay, Eric so Colmar is watching. And his his dad, dad was operator on this the, film. The operator. Wow. Well, very cool, Erickson. Very cool. Uh, that is incredibly cool. I I am an absolute like. I love this movie. I've I flipped out for it when I got introduced to it, and I love everything about it. I think it's like, um, it's just totally unique. So, so memorable in how it's shot. I mean, it's so well shot. And there's, I mean, as the operator, your your dad did some incredible work because I know how fast they shot this movie and how uh, no budget. They, they They had to make stuff work. I think they made it for $20,000 and uh, they shot it in 17 minutes. <laughs> I think you're wrong. I think they made this movie for $2,800. $2,800? If I'm not mistaken. Well, they paid, they paid Lionel Stander 500 of those for the voice. They didn't have to because he was blacklisted at the time and he would have done anything for a sandwich. Yeah. No, I'm serious. No, I know, but he 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 they when they asked him to do it, he said, I'll do it for a thousand dollars if you want to use my name. I'll do it for five hundred dollars without you using my name. And they oh, didn't okay. Name. Yeah. Um but a sandwich was five hundred dollars back then. So right. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Um I feel like you're lukewarm on this movie, and I'm concerned. No, I'm a I little bit upset no, because, no. like, if you're lukewarm, that means you hated am, it. No, I'm not. As far as I'm concerned, this. I I loved this movie. I I thought it was really no. I'm 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 holding back so you can do your your thing of saying that you, you usually give a little of the plot and the, you know so okay. that then, so that then we can then I we can. can yeah, yeah. Then we can start, all right. You know. So, Blast of Silence, 1961, directed by Alan Barron, written and directed and starring Alan Barron. And this is uh, according to IMDb, yeah. a hired killer from Cleveland has a job to do on a second string uh, to on a second string mob boss in New York. So he's guy is hit a hitman's coming to New York from Cleveland. He's got a he's got to kill a mob boss, and it's over Christmas. It takes place over like a week from like Christmas Eve through you know New Year's, and um, it's it's just a it's a it's a time and place in New York that's really incredibly powerful visually and yeah. uh and it is kind of like classic new york in a way that you almost never see anymore yep um and um it's uh it's a traditional very bleak traditional noir with notably one of the most extreme narrations in any movie that's ever been made and third and completely third person narration narration is usually first person somebody talking about i went and did this and you you know and then i yes. went you know but this is being narrated by an omniscient who's who's talking to you as if you are the main character yeah yeah um it's also was described as alan Barron as being a, a weird stand-in for his own super ego as well yeah. baby boy frankie bono so uh, that's the simple plot. It really is very simple and basic. Um, there's no twists and turns, really. There's just really extreme heightened melodrama and and characters in really bad situations. Yeah, and um, and it's really a character study. I yeah. I think like I think that uh, I mean I can't. 
when you see this movie, the first thing that comes to mind is like Martin Scorsese and, and De Niro sitting in a room together watching this before they made Taxi Driver. Yeah. It's relentlessly dark, too. Yeah. It's, it's so bleak. Horribly bleak. And but but also not like uh, I mean, and it is disturbing. Also, I think there's actually some for its time. There's some imagery and stuff in it. That's that's pretty powerful. I mean, the, the violence in it is oh, really unhinged. Um, yeah. Do you know who but back to the narration? Do you know who wrote the narration for for uh, Lionel Stander? I had assumed it was Alan Barron. No, the narration was written by, of all people, Waldo Salt. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, of who was also blacklisted. Yeah. Uh, uh, of Midnight Cowboy and Coming Home fame. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's really yeah. interesting because there's a lot, there's so much crazy poetry in that. Yeah. I mean, you you have to see this movie to believe it. The, the narration is is, at first, you're like, it's it's is this something wrong like it's is is this on purpose is this for yeah. real it's so arch and so crazy and by the time the movie ends you kind of figure out why it's there and what it's doing um yeah and it's all until that first scene with ralphie where he meets this incredibly pathetic character ralphie who he's buying a gun from right it's all narration and that really hip jazz score. Yeah. So there's this, 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 there's no, there's very little dialogue that we hear. Um, it, it's narration and, and, and hip jazz or, you know, late fifties, early sixties, East village jazz. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Folky jazz yeah. in one case, Until which we'll talk about where, where you meet, ralphie who's this character who is completely stands out as and and getting back to what rudy says it's it's sort of that character ralphie is the one who who tips it maybe into neo-noir because he's a weird sort of hip beat east villagey kind of cat right who wouldn't fit in in maltese falcon right you, you wouldn't see that guy true in, in Maltese Falcon. It, he he tips it into he's very anachronistic in the in the movie. I yeah, but you know this 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 brings up a really interesting conversation because I don't I think it's you know if you're gonna talk about Maltese Falcon and Big Sleep and a movie like this or the big combo in the same conversation i feel like you almost have to split noir up more because the maltese falcon doesn't have anything in, in common with this except for morally ambiguous behavior which right. you could say about a lot of different kinds of movies like right. romances and melodramas have that too yeah other than that there is nothing comparable and yet they're both considered noir, and I'd be in, and it's well, interesting to think about why. You have a a, a detective or a slash antihero in both of them, right? Well, okay, antihero is taking it. That, that's giving Sonny, like Mister Bono, Sonny Bono. That's giving uh, 
baby boy Bono a little bit more credit. I mean, there's nothing there to root for. It's like, that's like saying that, I mean, that's, I oh, guess. I was, I was rooting for him. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm dark. I, 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 I was you know, not, I, you were rooting novel, for him after he killed, after he kills Frankie, when you realize that some, that Bono is Ralphie, I mean, Ralphie, when, after which point I think you're supposed to realize he's actually just a homicidal maniac. And after he tries to basically, you know, Why, rape just, that woman in her apartment. Because he used an ax? Yeah, I mean, he axes a guy in a bed. He 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 sexually, he, he basically tries to rape uh, a woman, his his favorite woman in this movie. He He has to build up hate in his heart in order to do his job. He's literally an unhinged psychopath. You're trying to talk me out of out of rooting for the guy. I, I'm having an intervention with you right now. <laughs> um, I told you I'm, I'm told you I'm dark. I think you root for him in the sense that you understand him and have compassion that, he, you know, he was abused, you know, that orphanage that, you know, you know, the characters come from a very difficult upbringing and he doesn't talk about it, but you, you infer no. it and you know and, it. And I, and I root for him in this, in the sense that, that, he does on some level realize that his behavior with the woman was wrong and he he, he is he well, is so does at, travis pickle though. he's at the very wow. least miserable in the it, it, he has an awareness of his darkness and he's miserable about it and wants to do something about it. He just doesn't know how and has no tools whatsoever. Well, that you, I, I, that's an incredibly liberal viewpoint. Uh, what can I tell you? <laughs> I mean, I'm a pretty liberal guy, but that was a pretty liberal thing to say. Um, I'm, I'm not excusing his. Behavior. No, we totally we can disagree completely on this. And I think we have and will. I don't <laughs> I, I, I really don't see. I, I don't see him as some, I mean, I think Alan Barron probably had a lot of compassion for the guy, but I really think that it's a depiction of someone who is slid in slid past a place that's redeemable. I think, I mean, the there's, I mean, I'll, we can make that case visually if you want to go through the, through the movie later on. But I mean, I, okay. I just feel like, I don't know. I don't know you anymore, dude. Would you like, you like some creepy stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think what's interesting about this is that it's like what what maybe makes it not noir is that it's like pretty for Hannibal Lecter, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is. He's he's uh, he may have once been a nice person, but that really, I mean, a, a as a child, but at a certain point, you know, Alan Barron shows this character in such compromised positions. It's as a, he, he shoots him as if he's an animal. Um, uh, he, he gives him the most uh, in, ignominious. Is that the right pronunciation for a word? I don't even know what it means. Ignominious. Ignominious. Thank you. Yes. Uh, death of almost any character since the Kurosawa movie. I mean, this guy he he he's yeah okay but he's he's a good guy you root for him i don't think he's a good guy i think he's a horrible guy that you root for like you do <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm irredeemable i i admit it 
Um, I'm just trying to figure out if this is noir, if this is how how noir it is. It's yeah. I think this is very, very noir as neo noir as it is, as late to the game as it may be. I find this to be almost like I feel like I want to include it in technical, just like absolute. This is noir as like the final statement on classic noir because like, i don't let's, I, let's be as dark as we can possibly it's just the it's yeah it's boiled down to its most essential elements and it's basically like spending an hour and a half with one of the weird fevered henchmen from another noir movie right you okay. know yeah all right um he's likable i'll give you that he's likable I mean, he, the guy, you know, Alan Barron plays him with a lot of, uh, you know, with a lot of complexity. Yeah. What what got me about the performances in this movie, if we want to get into talking about the acting, is I felt like the acting was, it, it, there, was there was almost an aspect to it where I was going to say, boy, this is, is this, boy, this is bad acting at times I felt. And at other times, I felt like the, the background that these people come from is so bleak and the way he was raised and the way she was raised in the, in the orphanage and what they, you know, when I was mentioning earlier about tools, that he doesn't have tools, I felt like the, the in another movie, the flatness and the lack of affect in all of the performances would look like bad acting. And in this movie, it looked to me like, these are the tools that these people have to move through the world. Like when you, when you in, in the real world, when you meet people who come from just bleak backgrounds where they got no social skills and this is how they behave. And, and it ended up being just incredibly compelling. Yeah. I, I guess that's what I'm talking about. Not, not so much rooting for him is that my heart was breaking for all of these people. Uh, uh, yeah, I he's, I see that. I see that. You yeah. Know, I, I felt like yeah. everybody in this movie had no chance. Mm -hmm. And that shot, and it's funny because you you sent me a photograph right before the show started tonight for me to download to show. Yeah. And I didn't have to download it to show it. We picked the same one. I have that photograph as that moment where he is um, looking out the window of his his depressing hotel room, and um, he. It turns out that there's an orphanage right right connected, like maybe twelve stories below his building, right? Yeah. And he's here's these kids. And I want to jump down to the shot. He uh, looks out the window and sees them all leaving the courtyard, leaving the uh, playground. And this is the shot that he sees. This is what he's looking at. Yeah. And at first he sees them all playing. It's this whole, this, this schoolyard where they're all playing. Yeah. And then they all get into this orderly line and they're being watched yeah. over by the nuns. And he's staring at it. And I think like, this is where this guy came from. He had no chance. Yeah. Now we did. We didn't. Um, when you say this is where this guy came from, uh, you mean an orphanage? Yeah. Not 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 Nazi. Not, that, not 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 that orphanage. Right. But from an or from from an orphanage. I thought you were talking about 
because they're make the the children are making a swastika on the street. Did you I see mean, that? Okay, go back to the picture, please. Please. Oh, good God! All right, uh, this there's a story behind this. Okay. Because I, I again, I have the I own the movie. I I listened to the director's commentary the other day. Oh, good God! Now this is accidental. He didn't plan this. This 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 is actually how the kids left that playground he was stealing this shot i i know he knew what it was when he saw it but he he found that he stole that shot now i i've been studying storyboarding and visuals in film for a long time and i saw it and i got it but but i'm hyper aware of stuff like of stuff like that in movies right apparently that was never no one ever mentioned that shot to him until like 1990 Wow. He went to a film festival in Europe and some, I think he said it might have been in Germany, and some young German girl asked him, did you set that up, that, that shot of the swastika? And he goes, are you talking about the shot of the orphanage? She goes, yeah. He goes, not in 40 years has anybody ever uh, said that, to, asked me what that was from. And he goes, yeah, you have, you have, you have good eyes, but... That's yeah, it's like crazy. My God. And there's things throughout the movie like that that are, I don't know, man. I mean, the, I, I, this this thing is, this is so much better than Stanley Kubrick's first two movies. You know, I, I'm a huge, I'm a Kubrick nut. Kubrick's first movie is not really that watchable. And he was the first person to say that, you know, he hated that movie and tried to bury it. The second thing he did um, was quite a bit better. Uh, Killer's Kiss, it was called. and But it's not as good as this one. And this has more Kubrick moves in it than, than early Kubrick does. I swear this movie blew my mind. When I saw that swastika and I saw the scene when he goes to the party, he yeah. goes to town and he, he meets a, 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 an old buddy from growing up and the orphanage gets invited to this party christmas party where he meets the girl that he that he attacks um <laughs> uh there's a scene where they the guy's like hey let's uh let's try to roll peanuts down the floor again like we used to do with our nose. Like, yeah with our nose. push the peanut, the peanut the, nose yeah i beat you the last time yeah yeah and so you're like what the heck is this what is this and then they cut then they start to play the game and they cut to another angle which is this shot you want me to show this yeah photograph i know for podcasters listeners it's not that interesting but it's going to be a shot of the two of them playing this game with their faces ground into the floor into the dirt they're like animals in this shot yeah, and this shot the goes on for a while, and they're just rubbing their faces into the into the dirt for this entire sequence, and they've got a crowd of people cheering them on. That so was you've really never done that. you've never done the the nose pushing peanut contest. No, I've done a I've done a burlap sack hop, <laughs> but I haven't done a peanut pushing contest with your nose. Not with my nose in a dirty New York City tenement car. No, I haven't yeah. done that. Yeah. Um. You know what's interesting? This is a little side story. Um, my dad, oh, 
Erickson, my dad was from World War II Germany. Not that played a role in the shot called guns. Not that. Oh, For the I, podcast. This is um, the child of the uh, the uh, camera operator saying that my dad was from World War II Germany. Not that that played a role in the shot. Call it coincidence. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. I would really be fat. I mean, there's a few movies I just would love to have been there when they made and see how they came up with their ideas and what it was like when they, I just wish I'd been there when they discovered that shot. Yeah. Like her dad and, and Alan Barron sitting there like, fig, like lining up the shot. And then when they saw that, like, cause I, that must be the moment when you realize we're may, we may be making a classic here. Like, I don't know, but maybe things are going well. Right. Yeah. No. And it's something, it's something I talk to my students about all the time is being, even when things go wrong, it doesn't look like with that shot, something went wrong and, and this happened, but, but trying to stay attuned to the happy ass accident. Exactly. Happen as you're making a movie yeah. that are just either we couldn't get the shot we wanted. So we have to do this instead. Oh my God, it's so much better. Right. Or something like looking out the window and seeing a swastika and realizing that this is just kismet. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever used the word swastika and kismet in the same sentence before. Especially I, if you throw I, orphanage I, in there, too. It's like, yeah. wow, that's a lot of words that don't go together. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, deep stuff. Um, you know, yeah. anybody that's going to check this movie out, please understand this is a really weird unique strange movie yeah i mean it is by anybody's standards it's, you're not going to get your normal your normal movie it's not a hollywood film it's not a studio picture this was a this is kind of a unique thing they weren't really making independent movies like this much before that, this no, film no 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 this is one not of the first truly indie movies that wasn't just a, a complete art film Right. Like a Maya Darren movie or something. This was this was somebody who wanted to make a film and sell it and put it in theaters like a regular movie, but was just going to do it all on his own without unions and without any infrastructure for it. So, yeah. I mean, coming before um, Cassavetes on this is heavy. And also, like, he wasn't that far. I mean, he wasn't that far behind uh, guys like Kubrick either. Right. In terms of the timeline. It's it's a it's a weird art art movie and and so don't get like give it some time like if you if you turn this movie on and you know um uh what's the narrator's name again what Lionel uh Lionel Lionel Standard Lionel Standard if if Who that went on to to fame in Heart to Heart right you you know this guy you know his voice yeah. he's got the deepest graveliest most New York you Great know New York accent underground noir voices ever yeah it's, an it's almost cartoonishly yeah. so yeah and so for a while you're going to watch this movie and you're going to think like what is this like is this like a short film is this some weird like experiment like what stick with it because it, it actually starts to build steam as it goes and by the end it it's such a movie movie yeah it's it's really something yeah all right um favorite shots in this film um for me um i i mean there's there's a few i i, I gotta really think about that i mean that yeah, that i love first of all before the shots i just love the aspect ratio I oh love, man it's gorgeous yeah I right love that. yeah 
Because immediately see- we're in like we're in uh, Twilight Zone land, you know, Twilight Zone, episode right. of Twilight Zone, or, or all the all the all the classic noirs look like that. Yeah, it, it doesn't lend itself to widescreen really because no. it's you feel boxed in. Yeah, you need there. that. You need that um, narrow kind yeah. of claustrophobic feeling to it. Yeah. Um, I have a few shots that I can't, I mean, I just think that's, it's full of amazing shots. I mean, I, I do well, love I know that. We have, I know we, we share something. Um, there's something that I, I believe we both feel the shot of him walking down the street. Yeah. That's so, pretty iconic. Um, this, uh, here we go right here starts there. Goes to there. Yeah. Goes to there. 34th Street. 34th Street. And it just goes on and on that shot. And in the first one, you you, you can't even see him in the first shot. No. It just looks like a shot of the street. At yeah. First. Yeah, it's it's great. That is amazing. Uh, the shot, you know, the shot of the, the, the Nazi children was amazing. But that, you know, we've already it's talked about very- that. I, there's a there's a shot that um I'm pretty convinced that David Fincher stole for Zodiac. Yeah. Um uh Big Ralph um played by Larry Tucker who's an interesting actor and he was also famously in Sam Fuller's Shot Quarter. I don't know if you ever saw that. No. Um he plays a a, a real weird guy who lives in this tenement building he's real he's he's kind of disgusting he's slot like he's just got filth everywhere he's his apartment's a mess and he keeps rodents like rats and squirrels and stuff in cages yeah. in his apartment feeds them and, and he touches frankie constantly yes almost petting him yeah it's very bizarre that's true it's very noticeable um and uh to the point where you know that's actually that I mean it's very it's kind of homoerotic and that I you start to feel is kind of why one of the reasons that Frank Bono kills him. Yeah. Um there's something about him that he just can't that he doesn't that he can't stand and you start to feel like that might be something to do with it. But anyway, there's this when he comes back into his apartment before the, he kills the guy, there's this silhouetted shot of these rats in these cages that are just kind of hanging there. Um, it's a very quick, brief shot, but they're completely silhouetted against the wall. And, um, I love that. I love the, the peanut shot with them on the, with their faces in the, in the dirt. Um, how about you? Do you have any other favorite shots? There's a shot on the ferry and I I love it because of the way it goes with the narration. He's looking off the back of the ferry and there's a whole bunch of seagulls, you know, behind the Staten Island ferry where he's supposed to meet the guy who gives him the job and a whole flock of seagulls following the ferry. And then one seagull all alone way above the rest of the seagulls at a point when the narration says it's after the meeting and the guy goes away, the guy gives him the assignment and then goes away. And the narration says on your own again, nothing to worry about. And there's this one seagull flying all by himself while the other seagulls are very mm. low down over the water picking at scraps. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was really, really telling. And I also love the moment. I, I guess this isn't so much a, a shot as a scene where um, 
it's after the orphanage and the nun it's after the killing and he walk he's walking down the street and he passes a nun and he gives her a coin mm-hmm. <laughs> great and it's it's yeah. really really uh profound there are amazing shots of just him walking through the city um just tracking shots that go on for blocks that are yeah. really, really incredible. Through the East Village, past places that I remember yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, because this was 60, shot in 60, and I was living there and walking those streets seven, eight years later. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember the village gate. It's for New Yorkers, this movie is really, it's a really special thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, great, great Greenwich Village locations. The the Village Gate, um, and the the posters outside the Village Gate with the the Harry Belafonte singers, and um, comedian Murray Roman is on the poster outside the Village Gate, and these were real. Yeah, these are not art. There's nothing. That's what you get when you shoot without permits and you got no money. You get yeah. amazing I mean, these stuff. The people who were performing there, the yeah. comedian Murray Roman had an album several years later called "You You Can't Be You Can't Beat People Up and Have Them Say I Love You." Is <laughs> one of his fame, his like big albums. This stand <laughs> comedian who is very bizarre. He walks by the Village Barn, which was a country music venue. Um, and then the hotel he's staying at, the Valencia Hotel, which is on St. Mark's Place. Do you know who lived there in the 70s? Uh, the Boston Strangler? No, I don't William, know. William S. Burroughs. Oh, of course. Lived there in the 70s in that hotel. It's just crazy little um, connections. Um. There's um, there's so much about it. I, I just I want to see it again. Like I I, I kind of want to see it every day now. <laughs> it's you know what's also interesting is how art. is how you know where where you might you where where it actually kind of gets interesting is when you think like wow maybe the noir thing is really just uh, a, a kind of a fake out that it's not actually a noir movie at all. It's really a French new wave movie. And it's really like, it's, it's, it's more French new wave than it is actual noir. I mean, if you know, the movie breathless. Yeah. Well, Alan Barron uh, apparently never hadn't did never saw breathless. He the didn't one, see... You're talking about the one with Laurie singer and um... get in the game, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there was a diff- there was another one. Let's talk about other things. Aiden Aiden Quinn and Laurie Singer, right? I think that was I think that was the remake. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you just decided we're not members of the same family. Anymore. I'm not even gonna. I won't even continue this conversation. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed the show tonight, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this show. <laughs> um, the uh. The gun cleaning scene, I think, is probably one of the most arresting scenes in the in the movie. Yeah. Uh, incredible detail when he's putting that gun together with the silencer. The earliest silencer I've seen in a movie. I didn't know they made silencers for like 38 specials. Like, well, I didn't they, know that. They don't actually because a silencer won't really work on a revolver. 
there's only one kind of revolver that a silencer will work on, which is a Russian. There's a Russian revolver. I'm going to tell you more than you want to know. I don't want to know about I'm going to actually stop you because I don't want to know about that. But I do want to know if why I know that. <laughs> well, you say they didn't make them, but I'm sure they retrofitted crappy ones for people. No, no, it's not that they don't make them. It's that they won't work on a revolver because there's a gap between the cylinder and the barrel. And the noise and gases will escape from that. So the revolver won't, won't, the, the silencer won't do anything. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So that's um, a completely ridiculous part of the movie then. And they also, they're as detailed as that scene is, there's a mistake in it in that he, he takes the powder out of the shell to test fire the, uh, the revolver and he pulls the trigger and it makes a click. But shells also have a primer in them that ignites the powder, and that would make a bang, like a like a very loud cap gun. Mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't go click on a... Mm. All right. So, so it's a bad movie. No. It's about a lovely man who we root for. <laughs> no. It's, <laughs> it's my job as we're discussing the movie to, to discuss... To talk about tale. guns. You know, because <laughs> you're that kind of guy. Um, oh, do, you have my... any, do you have any lines of dialogue you like? Yes. Um, you don't have to know a man to live with him, but you have to know a man like a brother to kill him. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, and uh, December 25th, you have all of Christmas Day to kill. Which is a very nice double entendre. Yeah, very nice. And then when the, the, the narrator at one point says, you could have been an engineer. You could have been an architect, too. And it's talking about like the, the different roads that could have opened up for him had his life been mm -hmm. different. And then I love the landlady who has that line where she says, you know, the people upstairs don't think I'm entitled to a life of my own. I'm entitled to a life of my own. <laughs> she was great from like 20 years before this movie a character yeah. actor i think later like later she appeared in the producers saying dirty stinking filthy boys it was almost like that same character um i like the line uh when he's he's looking at the face of the guy he's got to kill he's got a picture of it oh yeah a mug and he's got a mustache yeah and he's like he goes uh uh, you hate this guy right away. He goes, a mustache that hides the fact that he has lips like a woman. The kind of face you hate. It's like yeah. insane. Completely unhinged. But you do like him. Um, oh, mentioning that uh, that um, dad worked with uh, with Castavetes on Shadows. Yeah, we I had I mentioned that earlier when I talked about your father uh, being in the movie, actually, as the bellhop. And then that he went on to uh to do that which is pretty wow. cool so did he um did he operate on shadows again? i think he, or was he, he, he was the dp wow wow he's listed as the dp i think on imdb that is fantastic you so, know the movie that peter falk took instead of this I forget what it was. Murder, uh, it was Murder, Murder Inc. Inc. Yeah, right. That's yeah, right. It was pretty cool. Um, 
Yeah, the the there was an interesting documentary about Alan Barron on the on the DVD that I have. And um he he was uh he hit all the stations of the cross, basically all the locations. He went to them. I guess they shot this in like 2000 or something. So he went then and talked about all the scenes they shot on these different places and stuff. Wow. Um it's really worth checking out. Uh and that the, last uh, scene they shot during a hurricane. Yeah. They had to wait for a hurricane because that was really nice weather that that winter. They had pretty easy weather and uh, he knew he needed the death scene, the final scene of the movie to be in bad weather. It couldn't be a sunny day, like a nice day out. No. So they 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 had to wait for like 10 days. And the, the first crappy day they had, they all they, they ran out there and they didn't they couldn't even get everybody because it was such short notice. So. Alan Barron had to actually play one of the other thugs who's chasing him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they had no money on this film. I'm sure the crew was like five people, you know? Uh, it's, it's, it's really yeah. something. I'd like to also mention uh, Molly McCarthy, who um, plays the, the woman in the film. She's really the only woman in the movie. Um, other than that woman in the apartment downstairs. Um, and uh, she, I, I met her uh, the night that I met Amelia, uh, my wife. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, it was after a play and Amelia was with wow. some people, in, including uh, Molly McCarthy, who she knew who'd come to see the play. And at that point, Molly was a manager and was managing actors. And ah. when I met her, she was like, you know, classic New York manager, chain smoking and just like, hey, he's Alan, how are you? But um, when I watched the movie with Amelia, it's like her jaw fell on the floor because she was like, I know who this girl is. Who's this girl? It's like That's crazy. She knew her. Very interesting in the movie. She's really good. Yeah, she's really good. Really Has a good. unique quality. And um, uh, she did some other stuff. This wasn't even her first movie she did a lot of uh, some tv before this and oh she was in liar's moon she's in the flamingo kid too yeah which makes sense you want to see two other great photographs that i love yes um a couple of moments that i loved visually um were right here let's pull this up when he comes in, when he's in the apartment waiting for the guy to kill him. Amazing. And his shadow backs up. Yeah. So and good. His shadow backs up as the guy comes in. That murder is terrifying. The murder is terrifying. And I also, for some reason, love this photograph. <laughs> the character who he buys the gun from. The guy with the pipe is just definitely a relative of ours yeah. from somewhere. That just cracked me up. And then Frankie walking by the village gate with the Belafonte folk singers and Murray Roman. It's nuts. I have, there's a little video uh, that I pulled speaking of, of the village gate of something else. That's so, real. Okay, there's a, two things now in this movie that are maybe not great. And that is the scene that I liked where he cleans a gun that clearly couldn't have existed. No, so I now love, I'm upset about I that. I love now. the scene. I just have. No, to I'm, no, I'm actually that actually makes me. I, I'm upset. 
And I'm actually, oh, now I'm angry. I ruined your day. No, okay. you did ruin me. You, I don't blame you. You didn't like the song, which is which I loved, which was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, was this song and the bongos. Uh, you don't, you're just not telling the truth right now. You I didn't love the song. You. you were laughing your ass off. This is one of the funniest things I've I've seen all week. Dean Sheldon is spectacular in this movie. The bongo-rific so- song, sounds of Dean the Sheldon. Two songs, Dressed in Black All the Time and Torrid Town. Let's let's take songs. a look. Let's all take right, a listen. Here we go. The, the song stylings of Dean Sheldon. Everything there was to know. Her eyes were gray, her hair was jet. Oh, my evil baby, I can't forget. So I'm dressed in black all the time. Dressed in black all the time. There is some of that stuff going on. That's, I'm sorry, I love that. Our our dad was playing with those guys back in the late 50s. Not with that guy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I think I think the Terriers could have recorded that song. Um you're well, never speaking to me again. No, I'm I, we're not really speaking now. I'm, I'm I, I don't get, I'm gonna get the sheet music for dressed in black all the time and learn that <laughs> and sing it at your birthday party. You can sing it at my funeral because <laughs> I won't be there. Dressed in black all the time, and Torrid Town is a Torrid Town is also song. great. It's yeah. great. That's some good stuff. I like that stuff. Um, so, um, did we? Are we going to talk about elements of noir? Why not? Okay, detective slash antihero, right? That's a big uh, element. Oftentimes, yeah, a bad guy. Sure. Also a kind of bad guy. Often yeah. played by Peter Lorre. And sometimes. Right? He's bad, but also the friend maybe in between the bad guy and the Well, the guy that you don't know is so bad. Right. At first. Guns. Yeah. Femme fatale, the bad woman. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that's all true. Yeah. But I... It, the, here's the here's the weird thing about it. yes we and i would like to continue to name things but what's weird is that a lot of those things are in a lot of other kinds of movies as well yes but these are these are uh, what we're just saying that they're essential essential they're elements uh, elements i'll the say this bad woman and bad the good, choice sorry b- b- bad woman good woman innocent woman yes hopelessness okay cigarettes and or booze always probably both a mission or quest urban location darkness can we say mission or quest could we could we replace that with job or gig or yeah sure because mission or quest seems a little positive for Uh, all right no let's be a a deed that has to be done yeah 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 okay Yeah. yeah Um, and then, then there are filmic element elements too, right? Filmic. I learned that 
I learned that word uh, when I was at Wesleyan. Uh, because they don't use that anymore. There were lots of think. people who who studied film there and you talked about things that were filmic. Can I can I before you go to filmic ref? Can I add a couple? Yeah, though? yeah please. Let's I add think that something that's in every noir movie is bad choices. Bad choices. Yep. Compulsions and obsessions. Um, and uh, like in Maltese Falcon, sure. Um, and uh, oftentimes, uh, er, er, dark urban setting, yes, most of the time, but there's a subset where there's like you know, noir that takes place in the desert, there's there's kind of desert noir, there's suburban noir, but most of the time it's in a city. Yeah. Um, you have a morally ambiguous or morally um, ambivalent main characters, oftentimes. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Like me. Clearly, with your taste in men. With my taste. <laughs> my taste in men. Well, you say you like this guy. You're rooting for this guy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> my taste in men. <laughs> um okay uh, so really filmic good. things filmic noir filmic noir contrast high contrast for high sure high contrast focus like depth a lot of depth of field stuff going on okay yeah right like somebody in the foreground and focus and shadow in the back or yeah. vice versa shadows too yeah, of course sh lots kind of, of shadows angles weird angles a lot of dutch angles a lot yeah. of low angles low started, angles yeah a lot of low angle work low and dutch angles and uh music plays a big part right um current popular music like club music yeah yeah like live music uh, of some kind, because there's usually a singer or a nightclub involved. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that's in almost all of these movies, it's not in this one, but uh, a the office behind the club. Mm. The office behind the club. Oftentimes with a window with like a one way deal looking, uh, looking out over the club. Yeah. Um, the past, you know, a lot the of past these, coming back to get you is another one. A lot of these things are also in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is a noir movie. Yes, the past coming back to get you. I hate it when that happens once a day, huh. <sighs> Um, uh, I would also say a paranoia, paranoia, all of them, big destroyer. Uh, yeah, definitely. All right. I'm excited about this noir up. Oh, Carrie says thing we're doing. We left this out. And I think she's right. A couple of thugs. Yeah, there's there's always a couple of thugs. Always hanging a around. couple of thugs. A couple of guys in trench coats or overcoats. Yeah. Um, 
There's always a speeding car. Speeding car. Turning a corner. Turning a corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there's usually a very sweaty man. Sweaty man. Yeah. There's almost always a very sweaty man. Sometimes <laughs> that is a large man, but not always. <laughs> there were. The Sydney Green Street. Sydney Green Street, very sweaty. And Peter Lorre sweat as well. Ralphie was sweaty and large. Mm -hmm. Filled both both slots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna do four more noir movies. We're gonna do Farewell, My Lovely. We're gonna do Kiss Me Deadly. Woman on the Run and The Hitch Hiker. Those. That's the plan. What are we going to do? Which one are we going to do next week? And Kiss Me Deadly is that there's no comma in that because I put a comma in and Kiss Me Deadly is a whole different movie. Different, that's the musical that's, version. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Deadly, kiss me. Um, well, I don't know uh, uh, much about that one. That's a that's from the 70s. So that's super like outside the actual noir parameters. It's a movie. It's a detective movie, a noir movie. But isn't it? Farewell, my lovely. Yeah, because yeah. there were a few, there were other there were multiple versions, but farewell, this my from lovely. Seventies, right? The one I'm thinking of is the Robert Mitchum one. I think it. I believe it's seventy five. All right. Well, let's give it a look. I haven't seen it. Want to do uh, that next week? Farewell, my lovely. Okay, and All then right. after that, it'll be straight noir. Straight noir. Yeah. No okay. messing around. All so right. We'll do these two like these two films are maybe on the fringe of actual noir. And then Kiss Me Deadly, Woman on the Run, and The Hitchhiker are diving right in. Pretty much right into the heart of it. But not they're not movies. Or, that... or do we want to do those first and then wrap it up with, with Farewell, My Lovely, and talk about how it doesn't fit? Maybe that's a better idea. All right. So which one? Should, should we go to The Hitchhiker, which is one of the very early ones? Let's right? do The Hitchhiker. All right, let's, let's do the hitchhiker. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and anybody's out there listening and and um, interested in following along, this is a great one to do that with. Uh, I just personally want to tell everybody who doesn't know about Ida Lupino about Ida Lupino. She right. is uh, uh, amazing. She's a great. She was a great actor, but also one of the one of the first um, real notable uh, women female directors in Hollywood who was like sick of getting bossed around as an actor and was like, I, I, I'm going to make my own stuff. She made this film and some others, but this is uh this is one of my favorite noir movies. All right. So next week, the hitchhiker, not the Rutger Hauer one, which is not the hitcher. That's called the, the hitcher. hitcher. It's different. This is the hitchhiker and it's actually hyphenated, which su surprised me. They were into grammar in the 50s. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, anything we need to wrap up before we say good night? Um, I, I, I no, I, I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, try to track down some Dean Sheldon tapes for you. I know that much. Uh, that's what you're getting for your birthday. Me. That's what I want. My birthday's coming up, and I want all the collected work the of collective. <laughs> The collective, the collective gigs of Dean Sheldon. The collected gig of Dean Sheldon. <laughs> um, 
do you what what's going on with uh, rated p for paranormal any um notable episodes we should be on the lookout for? oh um thank you for asking uh rated p for paranormal is another podcast that i do and um the last episode that we did with which, maddie with maddie blake with maddie blake um the last episode we did was was quite good uh actually pretty intense because we we mothman Mothman was a great episode. Recently, we did the the, uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose was our last episode. Ew. And um, I had very strong feelings about that movie. So if you want to hear me get upset, that's a good one to listen okay. to. Have you done um, the uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe? No, but that's a that's a good movie. I, I, I want to see that movie. I started watching that movie. Uh, mm -hmm. during the pandemic alone in my apartment uh -huh. and I got partway through it and then had to stop watching it because I started and I like scary stuff and deal with it just fine. And mm -hmm. I had to turn that movie off. It's a spooky movie. That's I started a looping movie. my piece. It's me just started <laughs> flying off. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. I like that one. Um, and uh, well acted too. The, yeah you know rare b horror movie that's really well well acted just really um very disturbing well movie. we'll do we'll do a horror movie run also we'll do this noir run and then at some point and we'll the, do a horror movie run. oh too. okay all right cool really try to cool. gross each other out yeah all right good um yeah we can watch silent partner oh yes oh i love silent partner yeah. i would love to see that again okay um, anything, oh. by the way, uh, speaking of my other podcasts, any podcasts of yours or, or are you interviewing somebody this week? I know I'm, that is all on hold for a little while until we are all caught up with this, with dropping all of our past episodes. Oh, okay. then, then I will probably start that up. I got a, jo a little job today. Did so. you? Yeah. I'm mom, gonna, mom's paying you to do the to snow the she's take the snow off the driveway now. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I said I'm not doing another <laughs> unless I get paid. Um, no, um, I'm actually going to be working with Pop on something. Uh, we are going to be doing a Zoom production of the Sunshine Boys. Get out of here. Yeah. Why didn't anybody call me? What am I, I chopped liver? With, with Ro I think with Robert Klein. So I don't get. I, I what? Where am I? I'm. I, I don't get a call. What, this is <laughs> this is embarrassing. I've been. Want to play the nurse? No. Uh, that's really cool. When, uh, when is that happening? I think it's in like five or six weeks. Fantastic. Somewhere. Yeah. Who's who's producing it? Um, I forget all of the. De I don't have any of the. How details. embarrassing. And I will have the details. I just found out about it, but it's going to be interesting because I played that role twenty, yeah, four years ago on Broadway. Tony, on Broadway with Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. Yes, you did. Now I get to do it again with Pop, who origin who directed the who directed the original, original version of nineteen seventy three. Yeah. So and is is Dad in it or directing it or both? He's in it. Oh my God. Yeah. How did they get him to do this? I, I don't, I think because I think we have no rehearsal or, or uh, very little rehearsal uh -huh. and we don't have to learn the lines. It's just, right. a Zoom. and he can stay home and he, he doesn't can have to go anywhere. Stay home. 
And he, I think all he has to do is actually put on a shirt and a jacket. He can still wear his pajamas. That's a deal breaker. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know all the details, but uh, okay. well, that's exciting. That's fun. Yeah. I, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll have the, when I have the details, I'll talk all about it, but uh, please, when you do it, take a zoom picture snapshot and share it with us on the podcast. I will do that. I'll that would be I'll really great. Zoom, zoom, zoom a roomy. More, not for the podcast, but more for the YouTube viewers out there. Oh, and I have finally also the the complete cast assembled for my screenplay, and we're going to be doing a Zoom reading of that. Fantastic. Which I will invite you to, but I I'm want sorry to, to say for the public, it's not going to be for the public, and it's not going to be recorded, because I don't believe in recording my actors unless they're being paid. Well, that's where you and I part company. I don't <laughs> mind abusing them at all. Um, but... Uh, Fantastic. So this is great. You've t these are two projects that I'm not involved in and uh I'm that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. That's awesome. But we've got things. We're cooking things up together. Yeah. We've, we've got this going together. We got this. We're going to see some movies. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we'll uh we'll do another show next week probably. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to see if we can get, um, what's his name? Blake Shelton? No. Um, Sydney Sheldon? No. Um, what are you getting? Dean song, Sheldon. Dean Sheldon to write the music, the new theme song for our show. What is Dean Sheldon doing right now? Let's, let's look Dean Sheldon up. I, I should have done that earlier. Let's find out what he's up to. Oh, this is it, literally. This yeah, this is all he did. This is the only thing that he did. It's literally the only credit that he yeah. has in show business, which is surprising to me because I think both of those songs, um, not you know, not surprising to me. I can see that being his last professional job. Really, you're talking a guy though, you know who you know. Um, El Paso is one of my favorite songs. So, so in mine too. I'm not talking about Schmaltz or a long time ago. I'm talking about a guy who really shouldn't be playing the bongos and singing and being on stage. Okay. It's not the it's not the act. Like somebody could do that and it would be fun. Right. If you think that he shouldn't be playing the bongos and singing at the same time, you should see me try to play the bongos and sing at the same time. And then you'd be begging for Dean Sheldon. Next week on the Arkin Brothers to talk about <laughs> movies, Matthew yeah. will play the bongos and sing at the same time. At the same time. All right. And on that note Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. And a fond farewell. Yes. Oh, hey. And we got to tell people to go to our website. Right. Because there's yeah. stuff on there. Yeah. There's merch. There's other episodes of the show. You should be subscribed to the show. There's so many episodes, but there's merch and there's stuff and yeah. there's gifts for people. Yeah. There's a t-shirt. There's a, a Silverado poster. All kinds of great stuff. So and check stuff it out. Stuff is coming up, too. We'll be adding stuff to it. Yeah, so check it out at arkinbros.com. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.